0: You would uh, take your uh, Bible this morning, turn to John chapter 3 and verse 16. We're going to look at verses 16 through 21. And uh, if you got your church app, you can just open up to the sermon notes there and uh, press the uh, blue lettering at the Bible and it will open up for you. John 3, 16 through 21. Now I've been preaching on the uh, theme of too great a temptation. And this morning we're going to look at living in darkness and sometimes it's too great a temptation just to stay in the darkness. Matter of fact, uh, Joyce and I did a movie outing uh, yesterday, and so that uh, we took some of our family with us and met some of them there. And that was because some of our grandkids wanted to see the Lion King. And so when we got there and we got all situated with. Uh, Uh, our tickets and got in and we went into the movie theater when we got in it was crowded it was dark we just came out from the bright sunlight outside and came into the darkness and when we came in the darkness it was hard to see and hard to tell whether there was enough seats for about eight of us to be able to sit together and so we began to look around saw a spot that looked like maybe in a couple rows we could kind of get together and so we went up to that spot and as we were going up to that area Uh, We got to that and there was a a small group of folks that they kind of just shifted over for us. They saw the group of us eight coming and they decided they would make a little room for us. So they shifted over and as we kind of made our way in and I got towards the gentleman that was sitting on the end, I bent over to uh, tell him that I appreciated him making room for us and to thank him. And as I did that, I recognized that uh, he was a friend of mine, Gerald Mathis, Gina's uh, relatives, Gina Hammondtree's relatives and uh, her brother. And so uh, as I thanked him and started talking to him, then I could see that he suddenly realized he knew who I was. And he said, oh, I I didn't recognize you in the darkness. And uh, once uh, the light or the darkness, the eyes had kind of adjusted, then we could see each other and tell who each other was. But in the darkness, it was a little bit difficult. But sometimes when we've been in the darkness for a little while, then our eyes adjust and we can kind of see each other. Now, after the movie was over and we went outside and we back into the light, of course, everybody was easily recognizable. You could tell who was who. The other issue when we stepped out was that the light seemed so bright, it was kind of tempting to go back into the darkness. Because, like, whoa. And you know, life is like that sometimes, isn't it? Life can kind of draw us into the darkness of sin and We begin to live in sin, and we begin to adjust to it. And we adjust to the darkness of sin to a point that we feel like, okay, I'm fine, I'm okay. But then when the light begins to shine, then we realize how dark we have been and the darkness that we have been in. And yet there's still that great temptation to move back into the darkness. I want us to look this morning at uh, John three sixteen through 21 and see what God's Word has to say to us about light and darkness and how to come out of darkness. And if you would look at it with me together, I'm reading this out in the New King James translation. And it says this, uh, first verse, probably very familiar to most people. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And so the scriptures is letting us know that God loves you and I so much that He was willing to sacrifice His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to come and die in our place for our sins So that we can have forgiveness. And it says that God didn't send his son because he wanted to condemn us. And to cause us to be punished because of our sin. But he came that he might save us. Now the Bible goes on to say in verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation. Here's a key thing in verse 19. The condemnation or the judgment that can come upon us. And here's what it says. That the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Now there's a sudden reality. You know, we've read John 3, 16. We've quoted it. We've heard people talk about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that we might, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And and that tells us how much God loves us. But then it tells us that God didn't send His Son to condemn us, but He sent Him that we might be saved. And then it says in verse 19, But there is a condemnation. There is a judgment. There is a cause behind us spending eternity in hell or receiving punishment. And He brings to light what it is, and that is that the light came in the world, which means Jesus, and men loved darkness rather than light. So here's the condemnation. When we fall into that great temptation of rather be in darkness than being in light now jesus didn't come to condemn us but we get judgment upon ourselves when we'd rather stay in the darkness rather than being in the light when we say i'm okay i'm fine i've kind of adjusted to this way of life that's the danger zone Now, the Bible goes on to say in that last part of verse 19, because their deeds are evil. Here's the reason that people love darkness better than light. And that is because there are evil deeds, there's sin in our lives, and we don't want to get rid of that or we're kind of comfortable with those sins. We've justified those sins. We feel like we're okay. And so we'd rather stay like that. So we stay in the darkness. Now, some people kind of get into the shadows. That's where we kind of feel a little more comfortable about ourselves. We're not really in deep sin and darkness. We're kind of just in the shadows. The people over here in the light can see us, and the people over here in the darkness can see us, but we're kind of in the shadows. Everything's not perfectly clear, but we're okay. It goes on to say, "...but for everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed." Which means whether you're living in the deep darkness or whether you're just in the shadows, light exposes deeds. Light makes things known. For everybody that wears glasses or contacts, you know that the more light you have, the easier it is to see, isn't it? Matter of fact, there's probably some in the service today that probably it's difficult for you to drive at night. You've got headlights on your vehicle, there's lights on the streets, but because there's not that bright light, it's a little more difficult to make everything out and distinguish it, everything and to drive clearly. And so it becomes difficult in the darkness. And here the Bible is letting us know that light exposes everything, makes everything completely clear, makes everything visible. Then in verse 21 says, But he who does the truth comes to the light, which those people who want to live according to God's word and do what would please God, they are drawn to the light. They want to be in the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen and that they have been done in God. Now, in these scriptures that we're reading, it's, there's really two truths that we need to learn about Jesus, and that is that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins, so that we wouldn't live in darkness. But that we can live in light. That's the truth, that God loves us so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. The second truth is that when God sent His Son, Jesus, He sent Him to be the light for us so that we wouldn't have any reason to think, I, I'm not sure if I'm you know, living in sin or I'm not sure if I'm doing right or wrong. Jesus puts the light out through His Word and through His Holy Spirit. He speaks to us, so God loves us and God lights up things for us so we can see clearly. Now, as I've read through these scriptures and I've read through the various scriptures throughout the Bible, I want to give you three real truths about living in darkness and that temptation to stay in darkness. And then I want you to hear the testimony of Nick Souther as he shares with us how he realized he was living in darkness and has come to the light. And when he stepped out into the light, things became exposed, but God began to do a tremendous work. Now, the first truth that I want you to realize about living in darkness is this, and that is that when you live in darkness, it leads to a double life. It leads to a double life. When you're living in darkness, and I said, you know, sometimes we won't just live in the shadows, and some people live completely in the darkness. But when you're living in some type of darkness, whether it's in a small scale or a larger scale, whether it's just in the shadows, when you're living in that type of darkness, it leads to a double life, and that is that when you're around people who are, or maybe you're at church, or you're around other church people, or people that you consider to be kind of godly people, you live, you act, you talk, differently. It's a different way. It's just like it suddenly kicks in. Somebody can say, hey, there comes the preacher. Hey, how you doing? God is good. Give me five, you know. Some of you are going, no, we're not that crazy, right? Okay. I'll get Logan up here. He'll help me. When you're around godly people, around church, there's one way of life. But then when you're in away from the church, you're away from people who are godly or away from church people that you know. Then there's that other side, the double life that begins to kick in, and you begin to live a different way. And so it's kind of a a double lifestyle that you live. And that's one of the dangers of living in darkness. You begin to adjust. If I'm in the light, I'll kind of act this way. I'll talk this way. I'll behave this way. I'll do these things. But when I'm in the darkness, it's a different story. Living in darkness leads to a double life. Here's what the Bible says in 1 John 5, 7, and you know, The reality about this double life is, and I want you to listen. If you listen, say amen. The reality of the double life is that we convince ourselves that nobody knows about this double life. We've got everybody fooled. And you can fool some of the people some of the time, but the truth is you can't fool God any of the time. And here's what it says in 1 John 1, verses 5 through 7. This is the message which we have heard from him, meaning God, And declare to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. God does not allow any sin into His life. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, if I say, okay, I'm okay with God, I'm hanging out with God. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and yet we're walking in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all our sins. So the Bible's making it very clear. There's no living half and half, this double life. You cannot live in darkness and say, I'm okay with God. It doesn't come to reality. So the second reality of living in darkness is this, in that it leads to disappointing God, yourself, and others. When you're living in darkness... It will always lead to disappointment. You obviously disappoint disappoint God because he's got better plans for us. You're going to end up being disappointed in yourself. I don't know if any of you have ever done this or felt this way about yourself, but I I do this quite often. Maybe I I do something that's not exactly what God's word says or the way that I should react in a certain situation, and then I go, man, why in the world did I act that way? Why did I do that? Why did I make that decision? I know better than that. It's kind of like the Apostle Paul says, the things that I wish I do, I don't do. And those things I wish I didn't do, those things I do. We struggle with that. And so we can disappoint not only God, but we can disappoint ourselves and we can disappoint others. And it doesn't make any difference whether it's sin that's what we want to call on a small scale in our life. is it amazing how we kind of size everything up, isn't it? So this is a little lie. It's a little sin. It's not like they're big old sin or they're big old lie. But the Bible tells us sin is sin in the eyes of God. And so we disappoint God, obviously. We usually disappoint ourselves. And when we're living in darkness, it's going to affect somebody else and we're going to disappoint others. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now our salvation is near than we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the work of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light, and let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and in drunkenness and in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Don't go after those things of temptation and living in that that temptation to just stay in darkness because you will disappoint God, yourself, and others. The third thing that living in darkness does, and it leads to death and destruction. This is probably the, the most severe stage. Living in darkness can lead to living a double life, and it can lead to disappointing God, yourself, and others. But then it can lead to that deep point of death and destruction. When you're living in the darkness of sin, those initial feelings may seem good, but the end result always leads into a destructive stage and even sometimes a deathly stage in your life. And that death and destruction can affect your marriage, can affect your family, can affect your career. Sometimes it can affect your physical body. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Meaning, when you come to know Christ, darkness needs to be put out of your life and walk in the light of Christ. So it says, walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So when we become Christians, we're not to have any connection with those unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. What not you think for just a second? Do you think if we just kind of went around the room, we'll just start with Michael, he's on the MPU, and we went to Nick, and we just kind of made our way through the room and we said, All right, we're just gonna have an honest day, and this is gonna be Vegas. What's said in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, we know about that, don't we? That's a lie. Y'all probably seen that commercial that, or I think it was a comedy promotional thing said you've heard that saying that what happens in vegas stays in vegas and she says that's a lie my vegas will be five years old in a couple of months but what if we just went around the room and said all right we're just going to keep it in here and let's let's everybody expose your sin there would probably be a mass exit to the back doors i I got an appointment preacher i gotta go and i'm gonna ask for that this morning But it says that it should not even be spoken of, the things that are done in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I believe that God is wanting to shine out his light today to reveal darkness, at least to yourself. So you can give in to that opportunity to step out of darkness and into his glorious light. Now, I want Nick Souther to come and share about his own personal testimony of how he began to realize about living in darkness and then stepping into the light and the reality of what that exposed and that, how that began to affect
1: his life. Good morning. I've gave my testimony quite a few times over the past few weeks, but I really... Um, For some reason I was a bit more nervous about this morning but now I have this calm feeling that's come over me he continued to talk about being double minded if you look in James 1 and 8 it says a double minded man is unstable in his ways so if you look at it like you're trying to live in a double life you're not living in one way or the other you're walking on a tightrope if you don't have good balance you're going to fall off I, for so long, I had two, I have three kids, but I had two with my current wife. And we, um, we come to this church in 2015. And it's embarrassing to say, and it is very shameful to say that I don't know a majority of you here. Because I chose not to. I chose not to come here. I went here for the satisfaction Of my wife. Because this is something that she wanted in our marriage. So. Living in sin. You can. Like Brett said. You can. This sin is bigger than this sin. Or that sin. And that's. I don't believe that that's necessarily true. Um, I was a completely different person than I was. As of the morning of June 8th. Um. I would come to church to satisfy my family, to be that good sort of role model that I needed to be for my family and for my kids, and put on that persona in front of people, right? Sunday night, you know, I'm about to start a work week, so I need to have me two or three beers before the work week. We really need the extra money this week. We probably shouldn't pay our tithes. I'm touching some nerves. Isaiah 59 and 2 says that God, your face is hid from God when you're in sin. And I, I, I imagine that like uh, I put this on my social media page that it's almost like you're trying to talk to God, but you're underwater. You ever try to talk underwater, you can't be heard on the surface. And you're eventually going to die if you can try to talk underwater. So God tried to get my attention in February of 2017. Um, I used to work for the sheriff's office and when I would do my um, battery check every morning to make sure I had a round in the chamber, I would have to pull it back in my left hand. I noticed my left hand was getting extremely weak. So I went to the doctor, the bone doctor, Dr. Wilson. Some of you might know him. He said, Nick, I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm gonna refer you to a neurologist. I said, okay, but why? He says, I'm, I'm not diagnosing with anything, but I want her to check and see if you have ALS, a death sentence. Okay. So I go home, and I cry, and I cry, and I cry. I want to fast forward to about a few months ago. My wife told me that she prayed and prayed and prayed that I would be the man that she needed me to be, that I needed to be the husband and the father and the man in general that God wants me to be. as the Bible says that we should be. She cried and she prayed that God would get my attention. And then they tell me that they think I have ALS. So that scared her to death, obviously. She's like, no, God, that's not what I meant. Don't kill him. I just wanted you to get his attention. So on my son's birthday, April the 11th, 2017, um, neurologists after many dollars, as how I look at it and test, they said that I did not have ALS, Um, I just had some kind of a a muscle problem in my left arm. Okay, well now that that's over, I'll go back to my waist. God really got my attention one night, and I'm not trying to be too gory or graphic, but I went to a suicide, and there's some first responders in here. You can relate. And there was religious memorabilia all over the house. I just didn't understand she was the only person that lived there by herself. She was in her 60s. I just didn't understand... If she is a woman of God like this, why would she, why would she want to kill herself? So that kind of jarred me a little bit, and obviously I still remember that. That was a few years ago now. So <clears throat> I decided um, I was going to live that double life. I wasn't going to be the man at home that I needed to be. I wasn't going to treat my wife the way she needed to be treated didn't abuse her or anything like that, so don't get that confused. Um, I just wasn't the good man that I needed to be, that God was pushing me to be. Not necessarily pushing me to be, he was just asking me to do that and I was refusing to listen. I had my back turned to him. So, I chose to live this double life. To drink, to cuss, to whatever it may be. I wasn't a bad person. I just chose not to be the good person that God wants you to be, Christ-like, if you will. I got saved when I was 12 or 13 years old. I know that for a fact without a doubt. At North Georgia Baptist Temple, I was sitting on the second pew behind and there was a group of singers up there and I got saved that night. But I turned my back on God and then God finally, May of this year, grabbed me on the shoulder and turned me around. So, God decided to take a lot away from me at one time that I was not appreciating, that I did not prove that I loved enough. He can, have, he can be very, he can, you let sin into your life. You have the free will. We have the free will in here to go to hell if we choose to do that. We have the free will to go to heaven. That's, that's up to every one of you. It's all in your own heart. I chose that I was going to go to heaven when I was a younger kid, but one of my first decisions as I got older was, one of my first decisions as an adult was to not be a Christian, that was for sure. It was too fun to be 18, 19, early 20s, and all of my 20s to be of the world. It's easier, it's more comfortable. It's easier to fit in. So, that's how I lived uh, got married, had two wonderful kids. I continued to live that life. I wasn't sleeping around. I wasn't doing anything, in F, you know, that bad that I thought. But according to God's word and according to God, it is bad. Like I touched on earlier and Brett said, that this sin is not greater than this sin. So God got my attention last day of May of this year and stripped everything that I had from me not because he wanted to get my attention necessarily I strongly believe it was because he needed me to go through that he needed me to see what I'm, I, was, I was about to endure over the next few weeks to do stuff like I'm doing right now I couldn't handle that no that, that ain't right So that was a Friday. I attempted suicide that afternoon. I was probably about three or four seconds out from dying. And um, I got a phone call. I called everybody prior. They didn't know why I was calling, but I was telling them goodbye. I had me a set up. I went and got a haircut, because I knew they wouldn't cut it right at the funeral. This was all set up. I was gonna die on May 31st of this year. <clears throat> so, I was on my way out, seconds away, and um, I don't want to get into too detail on that because some of the audience that's in here. Well, my phone rang, I tried, tried, and tried to get in touch with my wife, and I couldn't get in touch with her, but my phone rang, so I stood up, and I answered the phone. It wasn't my wife, it was someone else. He said, hey, man, I'm sorry about everything that's going on. I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. I appreciate it. Crying so hard I couldn't stand it, I called a friend of mine. Her name deserves to be spoken. Her name is Angie Lowry. I don't know if how many of you know her or not. She works for the sheriff's department. I couldn't, I was crying so hard that I couldn't speak. She said, Nick, just tell me where you're at. I said, I'm at home. She hung the phone up, said she's on her way, and she hung the phone up. Come and guide me, took me to the hospital. So that night, I spent the night in Westcott. <clears throat> and um, the hospital, tile floor, concrete bed, and you got that rubber mattress that's laying on top of it. I'd get off of that plastic rubber mattress, and I'd hit my knees. I'd say, God... You got me here, you brought me down here to rock bottom. I'm listening, what is it you want? I didn't get no answers. So the week drags on. We get to June 7th, which is the next Friday. (coughs) I, I actually go to Florida a few days prior to that. And I get home and I write a a lengthy letter. This is on Friday, I'm by myself, pace the floor for a while. I just don't understand some of the things that I'm going through and why I'm going through them. I just don't, I can't fathom it. Which I later realized that we're not supposed to understand what God has in store for us, we're just supposed to go. So I had a German Shepherd. She has a runner in the backyard and you can use your imagination on what my plan was. I rigged something up in such a way that it would not loosen if I wanted it to loose. It would tighten um, the more that I tried to loosen it. So I knew without a doubt I was going out then. I wrote a long letter. I've read it on my Facebook page a few weeks ago, several weeks ago. So... Hasting around in the backyard, getting the courage, if you want to call it that, to do it. And I hear my doorbell ring from inside my house. It's a friend of mine that I used to work with, his name's Mark Lintick. His daughter moved across the street from me last summer. He knocked on the door, or he rang the doorbell, so I went and answered it. Obviously I was crying. He'd come in and say, hey, we're just over here visiting Megan, his daughter. So I thought I'd come over here and check on you. Okay. So we sat down, and ironically, we talked about God for about two hours. Earlier that day, a friend of mine asked me to go to the Rome Braves game. My birthday's on June 5th. This is June 7th. And he asked me to go to the Rome Braves game that night. So I didn't get to go to your birthday bash. <clears throat> so I wanted to take you... Take you somewhere if you'll drive down to rome i'll buy our, buy our tickets and our food and stuff okay knowing i wasn't going to go that i was probably going to be at the hospital later that night in the in the freezer um so i'm trying not to cry so just bear with me <coughs> So I, uh, after Mark left, it hit me. Well, that's two times that I was for sure supposed to succeed on this. It's not a coincidence that I, I didn't. So I said, all right, I'll go to that Rome Braves game with you tonight. So we go to the Rome Braves game, come back. He lives over there behind Harmon Field, so I took him back home. And I decided that I was going to go through the graveyard on my way back home. And um, I stopped in that middle of that graveyard. My dad's parents are buried about as far as this stage is long from my great-grandparents. There's stairs in between them. I sit down on those stairs, and I put my head between my knees, and I cried. Begging God to tell me why. Why am I going through this? This. Why are you putting me through this? So I looked up before I left and I noticed the statue at the top of this hill. So I went up to the statue. It's a statue of Jesus. Of course it was. So I sit on, he's sitting on a throne, he's got flowers on both sides of him, and he's got his right hand extended. So I walk around in front of that statue, staring at it for a few minutes. It's, you know, probably midnight by now. I'm in the middle of a graveyard on a Friday night. I reach up and I rub that statue's hand. You can feel, physically feel this stuff come out of you, that darkness. In the midnight on a Friday night, that place lit up. <clears throat> so I walked around like I am up here for probably another 30 minutes just talking to that statue, knowing it was God sitting up there listening to me. He finally showed up about a week later, after I begged him and begged him and begged him to ask me what he wanted a week prior in the hospital. <clears throat> so I uh, I start making phone calls that next day, telling people what I'm feeling. That's great, man. That's awesome. You know, read this scripture, read that scripture and stuff. So I started quickly, very quickly, realizing that it was God, God's always sitting there waiting on us, okay? it's up to us to go to him just like with the free will so we have to make that decision to go to him and sometimes we do go through trials and tribulations and very hard times and we question and we wonder why but I quickly realized that it wasn't necessarily God that was making me go through I put that through myself but it was God's unique way of making me realize what I was doing I wasn't the man that I needed to be at home I wasn't the man I needed to be in general. And then I get a phone call from a friend of mine. Not saved, not grown up in church or nothing. He says, man, there's these guys at work. They're, <clears throat> they've been bothering me. He said, I don't know why, but every time they cuss and they act up and stuff, it, it bothers me. So God said, tell him what to do. Okay, well, I mean, you know me, so I'm just gonna said so I don't really know what to tell you. Um, only thing I can think of is to be Christ-like. Not knowing that I was giving advice to myself while I was talking to him. Said so it sounds cliche, it's old school, and it's run down, but the, it's so true. What would Jesus do? What would you do in that situation that you were in and that you were Jesus in that situation that approached you how would you deal with that situation So okay yeah all well. right <clears throat> All right Brett spoke on it Good evil seems to do does not want no part to do with good The devil will attempt and he will try and he will pull and sometimes he will succeed but all you have to do is realize that, that God is a little bit more powerful, a whole lot more powerful. So I said, be Christ-like. Be a good person. Um, but yes, Christ would be. Obviously, you're not going to be. You're not going to be perfect. Everybody in this room is going to sing before we go to sleep tonight. It's just the way things are. We're human. Be as Christ-like as you possibly can. So then I start taking my own advice. Well, now I'm alone, so I'm in my house alone all the time. So I start reading the Bible. It's a little bit better than Netflix, if you want my opinion. start studying. I start listening to stuff. And things in my life start taking a change. No temptations are there like they once were. No sadness is there like they once were. Guilt. I did away with a lot of guilt. I made amends with a lot a lot of enemies I don't want to misquote but I'm pretty sure that's in John 6:14 through 15 but I made amends with a lot of enemies and it felt good you know to do good it's unexplainable and I don't I could sit up here for a long time and try to tell you, try to explain it, but it's unexplainable how God can move and how God can work on somebody's life. The tough times that you might endure, the hard times that you will endure, it's you have to get in connection with God. Just like it says in Isaiah, if you He doesn't see your face if you're in sin. So if you're wanting your house built on God, do not live in sin. It's honestly as simple as that. I would come to church here and I would admit nothing against Michael, but I would skip the music just because that's less time I have to be here. I would make an excuse to my wife or the the kids, you know, there would be something going on with the kids. Or I would use some sort of excuse, it's kind of late. If we're going out to eat today, let's not go because we want beat, to beat that church crowd. I would come to church late, sometimes in the middle of Brett preaching, just because it was less time I had to be here. It's not what God wanted. It's not what my wife wanted, but it was what I was choosing to do with my family. So... <coughs> As you just heard, God got my attention. He took a lot of things away from me. Satan attempted to take my life, but God intervened twice. And I believed that until the day that I die, that that was God. So I started following God's will. So, said, well, all right, well, obviously you know what you're doing, so I'm going to listen to you. <clears throat> so I made that video, pretty much of everything I've just said. I put it on Facebook. Within three or four days, I've got 62, I think, just on Facebook Messenger, people that reached out to me. People that have shared their stories with me that told me that it was encouraging to them. I'm not glorifying myself at all. I just want you to understand that when you listen to God, that you will be rewarded read the entire chapter of Psalms 30, you'll see what I'm talking about. So I'm obviously going through some tough times, but I'm listening to God, right? I got a lot going on still. Right now, this second, I still got a lot going on in my personal life. I'm going to say this a little bit, and then I'll be done. We can go to Western season. So... God starts pulling at me. He starts, you know, wanting to get my attention. I had a dream. And the dream was, it's no secret, me and my wife are going through tough times. So the dream was I was focused on her, and we were actually at Tijuana's downtown. We are sitting in front of the cash register. And... Hold on, hold on, let me stop there. i want to tell you this other dream first. I'm sorry I'm keeping you all. I'm sorry. I had a dream that I was in this, almost like a war zone type thing, but I was inside of this box. It was almost like a, like a bunk beds type thing, and there was beds on top and on both sides and on the front, but the only way to get in and out was the foot of the bed. So I was at the foot, I was inside there, and there was two, two, three bullets and 40 caliber bullets. That was what I used to carry at the sheriff's office, lined up on the on the side of the bed. There was this woman that was in there. Had long hair. Wanted to fight me. Physically fight me. Seeing that there was no other way out but the foot of the bed, I start fighting that person. I get on top of it and I, I put my good moves on them and stuff and I'm winning, right? And that demon would turn into my wife. It was a demon. I don't care what anybody in here thinks. I know what I've seen. So I'd get off of it and let it go. I don't want to hurt you. It would laugh. Shiny, shiny black teeth. Shiny black teeth, I remember. And it'd laugh in my face and say, you will not beat me. And I remember it tried to bite my nose, and I don't know if that was just the end of the dream or when I woke up or that, you know, whenever that was, but that was the end of that must that I can remember. So about a week later or so, I have this other dream that I'm at Tijuana's, and I'm arguing with my wife, and there's this, my kid keeps pulling on my shorts. It's just, you know, you know, anybody that has kids in here, young kids, they're, they almost get aggravating sometimes. That's what was happening. I was like, I have to finish this conversation. You're going to have to quit. They were wanting something out of the quarter machines over to the side. So finally, I stopped the conversation with her and I go and help them. Well, I learned from that dream the next day was it was God telling me, stop being so focused on something else that you know I can fix and repair? Be focused on what I need you to do. It's okay. So I had the, church, I had the key to my dad's church for when I worked patrol. In the middle of the night, I'd go in there and use the restroom and whatnot. So I kept that key. So I went in there late. One Tuesday night, probably ten, ten thirty, I stayed there on into the morning, praying, asking God, "What do you? What is this that you're wanting?" So, my parents, at my dad's church, he has a have a little fellowship meeting kind of thing on Friday nights. So I went to it that Friday night. Went to the altar and prayed what is it you're there's something there you want or you need I'm sorry Wednesday night let me back up I said any of you know the story of Gideon I was reminded of this on that that Tuesday Gideon he was had a great battle ahead of him he laid out a fleece and he knew it was certain suicide to go into this battle but he and God wanted him to do it but to be sure he laid out a (laughs) fleece and he said God Put dew on the fleece, but leave, or put dew on the ground, but leave the fleece, fleece dry. So I'll know it was you that's telling me to do this. He woke up the next morning, and it was so. He said, God, I know you answered Matt. He goes, but one more time, don't put dew on the ground, just put it on the fleece. Woke up the next morning, and it was so. He rang that fleece out into a bucket, like a bowl of some sort. Bothered you? That was in it. He knew without a doubt that's what God wanted him to do. So I'm doing training, my new job, and I was working up in Chattanooga. 9:30 in the morning, a guy that lives in Dalton that I used to work with, I ran into him in Chattanooga. At 9:30 in the morning on a Thursday, he said, "Hey, man, yeah, I um, wanted to see if you wanted to come speak at my church." Okay. So at this point the ground was wet but the fleece was dry. I said God just, you know, just give me one more. So that Friday night I go to the altar, I pray. I come here Sunday morning, I come down here and I pray. Go to my dad's church Sunday night and I pray. God, I need a I need something. I need a sign. My dad had a visiting preacher and he preached, and my dad got up and he said, I want to tell you just a quick story and we'll go home. He said, There's a story about Gideon, and he goes on about the story that I just told you. As God come down, he said, I can't, there's no more signs I can give you. I don't know what else you want me to do. So, okay, so I waved my dad down and I went up there and I announced my call to preach. Because that's what he was pulling at me at, and he was. In the middle of everything that I'm going through. And all these hard times that I'm going through. It's unique. It says it in the Bible. That God works in mysterious ways. It's very unique. The way that God. Has. Worked in my life. From. Seven weeks ago. Wanting to die. To. In the past week, speaking at four different churches, is telling my story. It's nothing short of amazing to me, especially if you know me. My main point of my testimony is do not, it is imperative, do not ignore God. Listen to Him. If you are going through tough times in your life, there's a reason it's a tough time in your life. It's a sign. It's God telling you to do this or that or whatever is going on in your life. You have that free will to ignore it just like you have the free will to go to heaven or hell. You have the free will to ignore that sign. It's in John 6 and 8, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 7. When you talk to God, don't talk to to God like they do in the synagogues and on the street corners. They have their own reward. They do it for pleasure. That's what I was doing. I was coming here and I was just letting everybody see, hey, I'm here at church. See y'all next week. Put my ten bucks in an offering plate. Go have a beer with my taco at lunch. But it says in the next verse to pray to God in the closet not literally praying in a closet so no one can see you, but having that sincere connection with God, having that relationship with God and that heart-to-heart with God. And trust me, I know that a lot of you have felt it. You will know when it's God talking to you, without a doubt. You will know that. So with any problems that you're having in your life, I assure you that God's there. He's just wanting you to come look at Him. He's wanting you... To listen to what he wants to say and you cannot ignore that you have to come and listen to him and no matter what the temptations may be and I assure you, I can promise you I testify right now with my hands held high that the devil will attack you even harder than he did before because he's losing you So the temptations will become greater, the problems will become greater, the issues might even come greater, but I assure you that there's no greater problem that God can't fix and I promise you that if y'all continue to pray for me um, me and my family, and that God's will be done, and I will continue to do what I need to do. Thank you.
0: If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes as you are getting an invitation song ready. And if God has spoken to you in some area of your life uh, that maybe there's a little shadow of darkness in your life, or maybe you got some deep, dark things that you definitely don't want exposed in light, but you need to acknowledge that to God. Do you need to get things straight? Uh, you need to get things on the right path. Maybe you uh, can relate to some things of Nick's life of how that uh, that darkness can kind of get you in a state that you feel like I'm, I'm okay. But today's the day you need to get things right. And so while they're getting a song ready, and as I begin to pray, if you need to come and pray at the altars this morning, I invite you to come. But don't leave here still with darkness in your life. But let everything come to the light and get on that path that only God can bless you with. Lord, we uh, thank you, God, for your love for us. God, I thank you for what you have done in Nick's life. Lord, uh, I remember when he first uh, shared with me about uh, where things were in his life, and he said, uh, I was living in darkness. But now I've come to the light, and Lord, I know that there's uh, things that sometimes in our life can just be kind of in the shadows, sometimes in the deep darkness, but Lord, I know that that's not where you want us to be. You want us to be in the light, walking with you, walking in a path that would please you, and Lord, where we can be, where you can use us, and Lord, that you can bless us. So, God, I just pray right now, Lord, that uh, in this moment, even right now as I'm praying, there may be some that need to come and pray at the altar and just say, God, today's the day I just need to get everything open and honest with you because I can't fool you. Lord, you know the secrets of our heart. You know the hairs of our head. And, Lord, there's nothing that can escape your attention. So, Lord, we just trust, God, that your Holy Spirit's going to do a work this morning that only you can do. God, I know that uh, it was your purpose and your plan for this message and this testimony for the people who are here today. And, Lord, we claim in the name of Jesus that there's victory in you, and, Lord, that Satan's going to be defeated. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.